Welcome to a Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan for the week of Thanksgiving 2021. Your Excellency, welcome back to Central Ohio after your trip to Baltimore, Maryland for the Bishops' Conference. Thank you. It's uh, good to be home, albeit for a short time, but uh, uh, it's good to be back here in Central Ohio. We spoke before the Congress or the conference uh, occurred. You were preparing for a day of recollection last Monday. How did the week go? The week went uh, wonderfully. Um, It was very good to be among the bishops again, and um, that day of prayer really set the right tone. So we had not been together since 2019. And even there, some of uh, the fellows, I was connected with the New York fellows, and they were at their ad liminer, so for them it's even longer. But we, we weren't together for those two years, so the best way to begin was in prayer. And it was substantial. We had a morning together on um, Monday morning, spent about three hours before the Blessed Sacrament um, using the, um, the, the regular means of... Uh, of prayer, so um, morning prayer, um, a chance to uh, be for a reflection. Archbishop Kurtz gave us a beautiful, beautiful reflection, um, and um, and then um, we had the rosary, benediction, silent prayer. It was just good to be together to pray, and then later in the day we went to the. Cathedral Basilica in um, Baltimore, um, and we had Mass. Um, Archbishop Gomez, the president of the conference, offered the Mass, but Archbishop Lurie, the bishop of uh, Baltimore, preached the homily. It was the anniversary of the dedication of the cathedral in Baltimore, and that's a very historic cathedral. It really, uh, Baltimore would be the beginnings of... um, what you might call institutional Catholicism in America. There are certainly earlier roots of Catholicism, whether it be in the missions of California or down in Florida. But uh, but Archbishop Carroll, the first bishop of the United States, was in Baltimore, the Bishop of Baltimore. And so, so much, even of our heritage here in central Ohio, comes out of that church in Baltimore. As you know, um, Archbishop uh, Bishop Carroll sent Father Fenwick to us. And Father Fenwick began so much of the missionary work right here in central Ohio. So many of our parishes trace their beginnings back to Father Fenwick's missionary visits. So uh, so it was, it was good to be together. And then um, we reconnected and uh, we took up some important business as well. What's it like to be with your fellow bishops uh, for those uh, four days? I always find it very, very encouraging. Um, first of all, we all share a, carry, a common bond, uh, a common responsibility that we carry, and so it's good to encourage one another. In fact, that was the um, message that. Archbishop Kurtz spoke about. He spoke about encouragement. He spoke about St. Barnabas in the Acts of the Apostles, the son of encouragement, and, um, and, and how we can offer that encouragement to one another, but then also encourage God's holy people. Um, it's also 
good because we bring very different perspectives on things. But um, to quote Archbishop Pierre, the papal nuncio, when we come together, we need to be able to speak frankly and listen carefully. Mm. And I, I think that's a very positive experience. Um, sometimes when you're going through the tedium of the meetings, it can be draining, as in any walk of life. But even where you disagree with individuals, it's easy to see where they're coming from. And it all comes from a love of God and a sincere desire to serve God's holy people. And, um, and, and very often, even where there are differences, it comes down to how we might accomplish those things. It's not, it's not fundamental. Mm-hmm. It's really on how we might accomplish um, what God is asking us to do in terms of bringing the gospel to people, me here in central Ohio, but bringing the gospel to the people of the United States in our various different seas. And this uh, meeting gave an opportunity for the bishops to, uh, in unity, speak about the beauty of the presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Yes, we spoke a lot about Eucharistic revival. So, of course, there's that long-anticipated letter, which I I think is a very beautiful letter, and it's a a strong um, letter on the Catholic teaching on the Eucharist. Um, And it's pretty much what was promised. Maybe not what was expected, but it was very much what was promised. I know some of the media picked up um, on certain elements of it and you know I think there were certain reports the next day bishops duck the issue of uh, of denying communion well there was never an, a question of denying it was about how we as individuals need to be fit to approach holy communion and actually the document takes that up rather clearly and and speaks not unlike some of the things I had said in the Catholic Times back in July, um, the, the document is pretty clear that we should, first of all, from a personal uh, perspective, we need each of us to examine our own conscience, and there are times when we may need to approach the sacrament of uh, reconciliation, confession, before we can approach the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. We, we talk about that. But then, in terms of that contradiction in public life, um, and we talked a little bit about this last week in preparation for the meeting, that you know, where there's that inconsistency, uh, a politician needs to be honest and needs to be, have, have integrity in approaching it. So the document does address it. But, you know, there are, there are folks who want, on the one hand, for us just to say, oh, no, anything goes. And then there are folks, on the other hand, who want us to use the message of the gospel to condemn this individual, that individual. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's just not what the Eucharist is about. What we need to do is preach the truth, the truth of what or who the Eucharist is and the gift that's given to us and how we're meant to approach it. Um, in terms of dealing with individual cases, the document says what the church has always taught on this matter, that local bishops need to be able to address this 
with their parishioners, with their Catholic parishioners, and more from the point of view of pastor speaking to a parishioner, meaning, as the saying often says, speaking the truth with love, calling for conversion, but also asking integrity. So you came back on Thursday, and you got back to work right away, or is it Friday? Did. You know, um, actually, I kind of got into that document, but we spoke, too, about um, Eucharistic revival, and that's very exciting. We spoke about um, the upcoming National Congress, which will take place in Indianapolis in 2024, but also all the local efforts, which very much tie into what we're doing here with Real Presence, Real Future. And then secondly, we spoke about the synod process, which also ties into our process of Real Presence, Real Future. So um, you're exactly right. I got back here on Thursday, but there was a nice tie-in between what we're discussing nationally and what this church has been doing um, with great, great um, enthusiasm over the last year or two, and that we are moving into um, that process. So uh, it's very confirming to see, as I come back last week, it was very affirming to see um, the consistency uh, between what's maybe happening nationally and what we're engaged in right now. It's been a beautiful shift uh, for the laity to uh, dialogue and uh, for everybody to listen to each other during this process of real uh, presence, real future. And then one of your, your prayers for the Diocese of Columbus is that that continues, that very much continues. So. Very, very much so. And, um, and, and I've been getting a lot of feedback from uh, people really committed to doing that. Um, so, so that's all, all very, very helpful. And it just so happens, maybe it's God's providence, um, but we're at a stage in the process where, on the one hand, I'm personally not needed for, 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 for this moment because it's a matter of drawing in all the input of people. This is a real important moment when people are sharing their deepest hopes, and their commitment to the gospel. And quite honestly, this point in the process will lead to a great gift to a new bishop when he comes, um, because he will receive the input of so many of our people, again, who love God, who love the church, and are committed to not the process of real presence, real future, but to the reality God's real presence in our midst and our future, which is based on proclaiming that presence of Jesus Christ really and truly in the Eucharist, really and truly through his work in the church. You know, in the sports analogy, uh, some coaches say that there are two players that aren't worth anything, one that won't do anything unless you tell them, and the won't the, the one that won't do anything even when you tell them. Um, this is a, a kind of a a way for us to be sure that we see the urgency of our time, we, the collective body of Christ, and that we in unity step forward together in urgency and to continue to, to move forward as fast as we can. And that's a very good point, that sense of urgency. You know, um, back in the summer, we were using that book from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, and 
that really outlines the urgency. The, the urgency is this, that the world is a very different place, even from, say, maybe 20 years ago. And the needs are urgent. And so we need to bring the gospel to people today. Today. The gospel is not changed. The sacraments are not changed. The teaching of the church is not changed. But what has changed is that we know we don't have the structures in society to support the preaching of the gospel. So we need to find new ways, not not to rely on the belief that, well, there's a lot of support in the general society. We need to find new ways to speak the gospel to people who... Um, just don't know it because there's not a lot of that vocabulary in general society. And we need to speak the gospel to people, yes, even to those who have rejected it and share that good news and and the good news of Christ's compassionate but, again, urgent call to conversion. You know, one of the great gifts that you've given the diocese and the community is that you didn't wait to overthink things. You got involved. And, uh, you know, as uh, the week unfolds, uh, end of next week, December 4th, the diocese is encouraged to meet for the Evangelization Leadership Summit at uh, St. Elizabeth. So even as your installation will occur in Brooklyn, New York, on November 30th, the, the diocese and the leadership and the laity are called, let's get moving. If I may say so, that's something that leaves me very proud, happy, and hopeful. Proud, happy, and hopeful in the people of this local church. So, um, you know, exactly. Life does go on. Now, I'm not saying that in a dismissive, you know, oh, well kind of a way. But the fact of the matter is, just going back, I'm using your own your terms. The gospel is urgent, the gospel is urgent, and so yeah, next week's installation, this time of transition, doesn't change the urgency of the gospel. And so all the work that we've been doing these months continues with the same fervor. The, the ongoing work of these parish consultations, the gathering of the data, but also the work of the evangelization committees, so this summit. Um, it, and it... It reminds me of the gospel. We have scenes in the gospel where the apostles come back to Jesus. Remember, like I, I love that scene of the sending of the 72. He sends them out into the, the, the cities and the towns he's going off to visit. And then another where he sends his apostles out, and he sends the 12, and he sends them out. And he gives them all these instructions, and he tells them, it's not going to be easy. But then, I love this. This like another scene in the gospel, and then you come back, and all the apostles are coming back to Jesus and telling him about their adventures. And Jesus cares about it. He listens to them. Unfortunately, they don't get an awful lot of time with him because as they're talking, people are finding them and coming for more and more, and of course Jesus responds to the needs of the crowds. But that's sort of what this evangelization summit is all about. We need to go out, and then we need to come back. And like those apostles, we need to come back to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, this is exciting. This is what went well. 
And thank you for the privilege. I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to witness this or that or to be part of this or that. And Jesus, you know, maybe this didn't go so well or Jesus, we really need a little more help over here. Um, or Jesus, you know, I just keep trying and trying and trying and can't get through. And that all matters to him. So, um, yeah, the gospel is a good uh, measure for us in the work that we're doing. We prepare for your installation as the incoming bishop for uh, Brooklyn, New York. Give us some thoughts about what's going through your mind and in your heart. Uh, It's an exciting time. We in Columbus get a chance to see the Universal Church Mm -hmm. move. (laughs) <laughs> and it should be, it is exciting for us. I hope it's exciting for you. But what are your thoughts? It's becoming exciting. It's becoming exciting. You know, when I first uh, got the news, I, I mentioned this last week with the priest. I had a wonderful time to be with the priest this past week. Um, and um, I said, you know, my my first was real sadness and disappointment. And, and that continues. Don't get me wrong. My, my heart's still somewhat broken. But in prayer over these last few weeks, um, I'm really more focused on that sense of thanksgiving. It could have happened that God never sent me here. Um, although a diocese like Brooklyn would likely have somebody who has had experience as a bishop, maybe, yeah, God could have said, you know what, we'll just send you off to Brooklyn when the time is right. Um, and yet, in his providence, God sent me here. And I hope that I've served and contributed to the life of the church in this diocese. But I can tell you for sure, the church in this diocese has served to, to move me, to help me grow enormously. I am so enriched by the experience of this these three years. Um, and so happily we're in Thanksgiving week. We'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. That has been my attitude is this amazing gratitude, uh, profound gratitude, but amazing. I use that word amazing because I have to step back and be amazed at what God has opened to me in these last three years um, and hope that that will shape me for wherever God is leading me now as I go on to Brooklyn for whatever God is asking me to do there. Um, so, So it went from a sense of sadness, which remains to a sense of gratitude, which remains. And so you ask me if I'm excited. I think next week I'll be excited. (laughs) Right now it's a little bit of wrapping everything up. But, yeah, there is a sense of excitement. Just like when I first came here, it was exciting to go to all the parishes for the first time, to meet so many people. Um, I know that that's a very uplifting Experience, and so I will be excited to to do all of that. And really, just as I came in here, and would have been hard pressed to try to predict what I would have discovered here. I, I I'm so again amazed at what I discovered. The same is true in Brooklyn. It's just going to be a matter of going there and saying, "Okay, God, show me." Uh, Show me your ways and teach me what you need to teach me.
You know, as your parting comment for the Faith Dialogue, you've been participating in this for two and a half years. St. Gabriel Radio listeners are deeply grateful for your willingness to be visible and present and transparent. Uh, it is a great gift because I think we can move together in unity a lot better when everything is just together. And you were so together with us on a week-to-week basis. And then during the COVID crisis, every day, yeah. we can't thank you enough for your willingness to just keep your your heads and hands and heart moving and moving with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, it, not to make this a mutual admiration, but I thank St. Gabriel Radio because um, for a couple of reasons. One, as I am saying my farewells, I'm hearing time and time again from people who listen to St. Gabriel Radio. And um, so this was a chance for me to be connected. Probably going and visiting the parishes was so important. But these weekly dialogues um, have really given me an opportunity to be connected to the whole of the diocese. Um, And this opportunity... just to have an informal conversation to, to talk about what's going on, what are my concerns, what are my hopes here in, in this diocese, um, to respond to what we perceive are the uh, concerns that people are raising. This is a great opportunity uh, to be able to speak to the whole diocese. And as we expand now into social media and in, into other tools and opportunities, I think that's tremendously good. And I'm looking forward in Brooklyn with DeSales Media to have similar kinds of opportunities. And then you mentioned uh, the time of COVID. Where so much was unable to be done, where we were isolated in one sense, St. Gabriel Radio kept us connected and maybe closer than ever. Um, you allowed me to speak directly to our parishioners every single day. Mm. Well, at least the business days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other great thing that uh, we've learned at St. Gabriel Radio is the first, from the first moment that you got to Columbus, you said, we will be a church that shares the joy of the gospel and the splendor of truth. It's both truth and joy. And I know for St. Gabriel, we've been challenged. How can we, as a radio station, show more truth and more joy and more unity for our community. So thank you for working alongside us. I'm also excited to see that uh, what you've launched here with the Media Center at the diocese so that there's even more video, even more audio, even more digital communication here in the diocese. And that sets a a foundation that I know will last a long time. I I believe so. And again, I thank thank you. I thank St. Gabriel Radio. You've been a real partner in this and really all of our team in um, social media and in communications. Um, Yeah, again, there's another piece where we're still doing the building block. So right now we're working out of a temporary studio, but seeing this work continue will be a great gift then to the next bishop so that we can continue to do the work of real presence of sharing the joy of the gospel and the splendor of truth. Bishop Brennan, could you close uh, our listeners and viewers off with a prayer and a blessing? Indeed. You know that I often use that blessing from the book of Numbers. Um, 
it's pretty directive. You you hear this reading on on um, New Year's Day. God tells Moses, this is how you're to bless the people. <laughs> so I say, okay, this is what I'll do. <laughs> so we ask God's blessing. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with kindness and grant you his peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you, our uh, visual uh, listeners and our audio listeners, uh, to Bishop Brennan's Faith Dialogue, his final Faith Dialogue as the Bishop of the Diocese of Columbus, serving since 2019. He'll be installed as the new Bishop for Brooklyn, New York on Tuesday, November 30th. Please keep Bishop Brennan and his intentions in your prayers.